Welcome to this Bible Center Church Core class. We hope that this in-depth teaching of God's Word will challenge you to grow in your knowledge of Him and help you become a disciple who makes more disciples. Welcome back to our core classes. I'm so glad you're joining us. We're still on the topic of Jesus the Messiah. We're doing eight different sessions on Jesus the Messiah, and this is the fourth of eight. Today we're going to be looking at the humanity of Christ, His incarnation, His life, and His ministry. We probably won't get to all those, but we're at least going to look at the humanity part, and then we'll jump into the other ones in our next class. Um, Again, we are working through the membership statement of faith as we go through our core classes. They complement one another. They're coming out in conjunction with one another. So let's go ahead and read some portions that go along with what we're going to be talking about today. This is section D about God the Son. This is section D1 about the person of Christ, and this is B and C. B says, Through the power and work of the Holy Spirit, in the incarnation through the virgin birth, Jesus fully took on human nature, including a human body and a human experience while living a sinless life. C. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Both natures are united in Christ without confusion or the minimization of either nature. Good stuff. So if you're in your book with us, we're on page 158. If you're still in version 1, and then we are going to look at what says session 2 at the top. We're going to start with incarnation. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin. It says so right there in Luke, and we see it in other places as well. So we've already studied the fact that he was 100% God, 100% God, fully divine in every way. But we also need to remember and know that he was 100% man. So the fullness of deity dwelt in him, but also he was fully human. Luke chapter 1, verse 80 says he was born. There was a day when Jesus was a tiny baby. He was born. And He would have needed to feed like every other baby. He would need to have been physically protected like any other baby. He was a baby. It says Jesus grew. In Luke chapter 2, verse 40, it says, The child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Luke 2, 52 says, And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So, If he's all-knowing, he's 100% God, right? We already determined that. How is it possible for someone who knows everything, who's all-knowing, to grow in wisdom? How is that even possible? Uh, The answer would lie in the fact that even though he knows all things, he has never been a human before. So there's still just this experience that's happening as he's growing. His physical brain is actually maturing as a human, even though he at the same time is God. Grudem says it this way, That fact that Jesus had a human body, just like our human body, is seen in many passages of Scripture. He was born just as all human babies are born. He grew throughout childhood to adulthood just as all other children grow. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him, Luke 2.40. Moreover, Luke tells us that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature in the favor of God and man. Another good quote says this, Jesus had a human mind. So he was divine, but he also had a human mind. The fact that Jesus increased in wisdom says that he went through a learning process just like all other children do. He learned how to eat. He had to learn how to talk. He had to learn how to walk. He had to learn how to write and read. He had to learn how to be obedient to his parents. This ordinary learning process was a part of his genuine humanity. 
So he had a genuine human experience. Jesus went through puberty, just like you and I went through puberty. Did Jesus have a zit? Very possibly, okay? So he had to go through a human experience. He was 100% man and 100% God. Now, it's interesting, as you look through Scripture, sometimes he focuses more on the divine side, sometimes he focuses more on the human side, but both are always there, both are always true. Let's talk about the temptation. This was an interesting moment. So, sometimes Jesus did things that intentionally paralleled things that happened in the Old Testament to show us how you actually handle things that weren't handled well in the Old Testament. When Adam and Eve were tempted by the enemy, they fell into sin. They were deceived because Satan took the words of God, twisted them a little bit, they disbelieved God, and they sinned. Here in the temptation, it says that Jesus is guided by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. He goes through a long period of fasting. So he's in a very physically weakened state. So even in this very physically weakened state, the enemy comes to him and throws several temptations at him, doing something very similar to what he did in the garden, taking promises of God and words of God, just twisting them a little bit, trying to confuse Jesus in his tiredness, trying to tempt him into sinning. Jesus responds, knowing the word of God clearly and with authority and uses the word of God to fight temptation. Now, he's the son of God. He could have just said, be away with you, Satan, and Satan would have had to have left. He would have had to have flee. He's, Jesus is the God of the universe, but in his humanity, he went through the temptation and he heard the words of temptation coming into his head. And he had to deal with those words, process those words, and respond to those words with the word of God. And that's how Jesus did it. So he knew the word of God. He could hear when things were, were being spoken that were untrue or twisted just slightly. And he could respond to those things with truth, with what God's word really says and the intentionality of the word of God that can be applied to the temptation that was in the moment in Jesus's face. This little quote here says, we often equate a comfortable and convenient life to a blessed and led by God life. Often we will see the opposite is true. The life of Jesus and his followers are never easy. A life on the front lines will consists of struggle, temptation, and pushback. Where does that come from? The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit, God himself, led him to go into a period of fasting, which was very uncomfortable, very inconvenient, probably very painful. Throughout all of Jesus's life, we never see comfort and convenience. We actually see struggle. We see difficulty. So when you and I are following the leading of the Holy Spirit, when we're trying to live a life in the footsteps of Jesus, expect there to be some difficulty. Expect there to be some hardship. Don't assume that comfort and convenience is where God's leading you, or that's what, even what you should be fighting for. We're fighting for knowing God's word, worshiping the King, and telling other people about Him. And in that process, as we follow the Holy Spirit's lead, it won't always be easy. Sometimes it will be very difficult. The Lord leads us into places where we often need him more than ever. I encourage you to pray for your life, to be filled and guided by the Holy Spirit into spiritual growth and ministry. Be willing and joyful to live a life that changes the world, even if it means discomfort, even if it means struggle. For it's through those things that we actually experience peace and joy. Peace and joy are very different than comfort and ease. Comfort and ease is not promised to the Christian. But even in the midst of difficult things, we can have peace and we can have joy. Sometimes it's in those things that we truly experience peace and joy. We see it in the life of Jesus. 
So the question for me and the question for you sometimes is, are you willing to be uncomfortable in your following Jesus? As you follow Jesus, is it okay if things are inconvenient, if they're difficult, if they're hard, if there's struggle, if there's pain? My hope is that it's okay because he went through those same things. So, talking about Jesus' humanity, we also know that he went through weariness and he experienced incredible stress and, at times, anxiety. John 4, 6, this is where he's talking to the woman at the well. It says, So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting by the well. Jesus, who as the Son of God, before he, was, before he became a baby boy, only ever knew being all-powerful in every way at all times. He's now in a human body, and he's worn out from his journey. What an interesting experience for Jesus to go through. So he's worn out, and he sits down, and he wants a drink of water. In Luke 22, verses 41 through 44, is a passage that I'm sure you're very familiar with. It's the point where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. It says that he is overwhelmed to the point of death. Like he is so overwhelmed that it feels like he's going to die. It's in this section where he starts to ask the Lord, could this cup, could this, this thing that you've put in front of me for me to do, could it pass from me? Is there any other way that this could take place? Jesus has an honest conversation with the Father, asking if there's any other way that this could be accomplished. Jesus, in total obedience, you know, the Father doesn't say, here's a new way. He's like, this is the way. And Jesus stands up and he prepares himself for the cross. But even in those moments, we see that Jesus is overwhelmed with the reality that's in front of him. There's stress and anxiety pouring on him to the point where drops of blood are pouring from him. Drops of blood sweat that's filled with blood are coming from Jesus. So he knows what stress feels like. He knows what agonizing anxiety can feel like. Uh, so when we go through those things, he has already been there. Walvert has a quote that says, it is therefore not sufficient to recognize that Jesus Christ as the Son of God possessed a human body, but it is necessary to view him as having a complete human nature, body, soul, and spirit. So he fully felt the weight of what was happening to him in his human body. In Luke 23, verse 47, In his death, onlookers saw miracles, but all of them recognized Jesus as a man. There have been some who have fought against this, who would say that Jesus was, um, was mostly God, partly man. He was almost like a God-man with, with a lowercase m. So when Jesus went through these things, it wasn't that big of a deal for him. That is not what the account of the New Testament tells us. Those who saw Jesus assumed he was a man. There was never a point where they just thought, oh, he's a God-man. He just looked like a man. And when they listened to him speak and they saw his miracles, they had to ask the question, is he also God? But no one questioned his humanity when he was on earth. It was very obvious and clear to those who were with him, who could touch him, who could watch him eat, who watched him grow, that he was a man. So here we go. We have these two natures. He's human and he's divine. So how do these two things go together? How can you be 100% man, 100% God, and put that thing together and function that way? Was Jesus ever schizophrenic? Was he ever sometimes, you know, his God portion telling him to do one thing and his human portion telling him to do something else? Did he ever have like two voices in his head? So there's a couple ways to look at this. So, this union between the human part of God, of Jesus, and the divine part of Jesus is called the hypostatic union. The hypostatic union. 
You don't have to remember that term. But here's what it's not. So the hypostatic union is not this. It's not Jesus' humanity and his divinity living beside one another. It's not that, okay? It's also, it's not this. Where you have his humanity and his divinity and Jesus is somewhere in the middle, where there's like a combination of one a little bit and a combination of the other a little bit. This is also not true. It is this. Somehow, he is human and divine in every way at all times. He's just both together at the same time. He's simply Jesus. He's simply God. He's simply man all the time, always. Well, you and I, okay, so the one question is, was Jesus ever conf conflicted in any way? No, he wasn't. You and I, because we have a, a sinful nature and we have God's spirit living in us, you and I deal with conflict all the time in our internal world. Jesus never dealt with that. He was not conflicted in that way. It's important to remember that when Jesus created the world and Jesus created mankind, God created man in just a way that God the Son could take on human flesh and become a man. Like, when he created us, he knew that he was going to do that, so he fashioned us in just a way to be who he needed to be when he was, became Jesus Christ, the man, when he came down and took on flesh. Uh, the quote at the bottom of page 159 says, Through the incarnation of Christ, the two natures were inseparably united in such a way that there was no mixture or loss of their separate identity, and without loss or transfer of any property or attribute of one nature to the other. The union thus consummated a personal or hypostatic union in that Christ is one person, one person, not two, and an everlasting in keeping with the everlasting character of both human and divine natures. He is forever human and divine together. The human nature always remains human, and the divine nature always remains divine. Christ is there for both God and man. No less God because of his humanity and no less human because of his deity. That's a great quote. So he is fully God, fully man all the time. Here's a good question. We'll end with this question. Could Jesus have sinned? If he was fully human, could Jesus have sinned? Here's one point. You and I have struggled with temptation many, many times in our life. But oftentimes when temptation gets to a certain point, you and I succumb to sin. There's a point when you and I still always sin. Uh, 1 John 1.8 tells us if we think that we haven't sinned or we're not sinning, we're a liar. So you and I still sin, and we deal with temptation to a point, and then we give in. So we don't even know what it feels like to resist past that point. Uh, the book of Hebrews says we haven't resisted sin to the point of shedding blood. I haven't. Most of you haven't. Jesus is actually the only one who's ever resisted temptation to the fullest point. He knows what it feels like to resist temptation to the absolute end of it and to still not give in. So Jesus has understood temptation at a level that you and I have never experienced. Here's a good quote. This is a conversation here about the impeccability of Christ. Here's how it's described. The sinful nature was not a part of man's original creation. So when Jesus took on flesh, Okay, for him, since he's not a part of Adam's race, okay, like it's the Holy Spirit says conceived in Mary, uh, 
Jesus did not take on our sinful nature. It says Jesus bore this sinless human nature as the second Adam. In his deity, he could not have sinned. In his humanity, he would have felt every temptation and desire to do so. But he would have never acted solely out of his human nature. So could Jesus have sinned? Only if he acted fully out of his human nature. But he never did that. He was always fully man and fully God. Because he's fully both, he could never act out of one nature and not the other. As he was seamlessly human and deity at the same time. This is called the doctrine of the impeccability of Christ. So he would have fully felt the temptation of sin, but because he's also divine, he could have never actually fallen into the sin. That's a typical conservative way of looking at that question. Could Jesus have sinned? At the bottom of page 160, there's several different doctrinal errors where people have different weird views of the, the deity and humanity of Christ and how they go together. I won't walk through those, but they're there for you to look at. So at this point, we've looked at the divine nature of Jesus, and we've seen how it's all throughout Scripture. We've looked at the human aspect of Jesus, the fact that he's fully human, and we saw that all throughout the Gospels. He was born, he grew in wisdom and in stature, uh, he got tired, he got weary, and he physically died on a cross. His body went through incredible pain and torture and died on a cross. He was fully, fully human, representing us on that cross. Next time, we're going to look at the life of Christ. How did he deal with his ministry and with relationships? It's a fun study. I'll see you then.